right club. Be the right club today. Yeah. I mean, that's better than most. How about him? That is better than most. Better than most. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the No Laying Up podcast. Solly here. Got a great episode coming with a very energetic, as you might expect, George Gankus. This podcast is uh, part of our series that we do with Charles Schwab called the Challenger Series. It's stories about those who challenge the status quo in golf and make positive change. You can view all of those episodes at schwabgolf.com. It's fantastic content. We've been doing this with, the, with them for a few years and really appreciate all that Schwab is doing to support the game of golf. As the official investment firm of the PGA Tour, it is obvious Schwab has a passion for both golf and investing. And now through October 31st, when you make a qualifying net deposit of cash or securities into a Schwab taxable brokerage account, you can get up to six rounds of golf at top courses, a Titleist TSR driver, and a dozen Pro V1 golf balls. You can tee off at over 100 participating golf courses nationwide, including some of our favorites, Bannon Dunes, Sand Valley, Gearhart, Coeur d'Alene, and TPC Sawgrass. For more details about Schwab's golf promotion and terms and conditions, please visit schwabgolf.com. Without any further delay, here is George Gankus. All right, we did a podcast like, I don't know, five years ago or so, long time ago, and uh, felt like you were, uh, you were on the verge of really busting out, and you've definitely busted out since then. Uh, what, what's life been like the last five years or so? Wow. I mean... I think we did our podcast in the rain, didn't we? We did a pod, and then we came and visited you out in the rain uh, and did a video with you. Yeah. There was about four of you guys, and we all did, like, lessons in the rain. I had a blast. You guys were the best. Like, seriously, the coolest people. And it was fun. So five, five years ago, it started getting a little crazy. And then through, like, the COVID period, it was kind of good for me because I got to mellow out a little bit. And then it's back to pretty hectic because I just had a kid just like you did. Congrats. Thanks, you as well. <laughs> and so things things are, I'm trying to basically adjust in a lot of things. My schedule's as busy as ever. The good thing for me right now is I don't have to travel right now, like on tour or like any of the tours, which I have players on all the tours. I just, right now, it it's kind of nice to be able to not have to travel everywhere getting time to hang out with the kid you get you get your berries a little more when you're not on the road every week i've I've like found i have free time lately of like you know time to think about some other things because i'm not always on the road it's crazy but how uh how's your business evolved i kind of want to talk to you a little bit about that i mean you you've you know, if you follow it on Instagram, right, it, it, it uh, you know, we see the social fronting of the business and things like that. But how, how, what can you explain to the listeners that maybe don't know how you operate, how your business works? So my business operates with me being on the map. That's the first foremost. So at this point in my career, if I don't stay, I guess, legitimate and have clients on the mat, it's gonna be, or tour players even, it's kind of a mixture of everything. So it's kind of like, put it this way, if I if I don't have tour players, then I'm not a legitimate coach in a lot of people's eyes. And I think that's, that's probably the biggest thing. I don't agree with that at all. I like having hackers that I teach. I like, you know, tour players. I like scratch players. I like fours, tens. I like all, if they're into it, I'm into it. So I love teaching. And I don't think I'll ever stop loving it. Now, am I going to be on the mat as much time? I've cut down to four four days a week instead of like six. So that's my first plan is being on the mat. And whether I need to still be there financially or not is, you know, up to me now at this point because I have a membership site, which I have a junior membership, 
I have a full membership and then we just film for all different languages. So that's going to be cool. We haven't launched that yet. So that'll be another part. And then I also have all my training aids. So at that point, it's kind of like hectic the way I have. The cool thing is, is I have somebody in every category that's managing it all. So I don't have to be the manager of all of it. So it's, it's kind of hectic, but it, it, it's cool. I mean, I'm enjoying it and yeah, I get stressed out, but I can handle it. You know, that one thing that has, has stuck with me since that rain, uh, rain driving range session that we had in 2019 was just like, I, I, you know, we'd never met before. I was unsure as to, you were coming off a trip from Asia, I think at that time. And we were, I was like, man, I kind of feel bad making them come out Arda. here in the rain. Jakarta, I, yeah. I was like, I kind of feel bad making them come out here in the rain, but we arranged this. And you were just like, you were at it. You were like so enthusiastic about it. Your passion for teaching and golf is kind of what amazed me. I, I, I guess how, how, where, where, where's your passion tank uh, ranking a few years later? Uh, I still have it. I mean, I, I, every player is, you know, at any point, you know, you're not going to get anybody who's had lessons from me talking shit about me. You're going to get a lot of people talk shit about me that have never seen me because they know if they've been on the mat with me, I actually put a fucking 110%. I'm, I'm working my ass off for them. I'll, I'll say, Hey, leave me videos, call me. I give them my number. And, and I know not every, there's a lot of coaches who do that, but not a lot are, are willing to do that. I just want to make sure they're good a week after two. If I never see them again, I just want to make sure that they know that I actually put in my whole, whole hundred and whatever percent that, that I do care. I do want them to get better because, you know, if they get better, they tell buddies, they, they're stoked. I'm stoked. It's more than anything. I get stoked when they're stoked because they, they're doing things that they've never been able to do before. That's, that stokes me. Well, it looks like from what I gather from your videos and stuff, your lessons look like it looks like a bunch of people tackling a group project, right? It's not, you know, are, are, do you have more than one guy you're working with at once? Like, it, it seems like uh, watching watching your Schwab video, though, it seems like, you know, guys come out and are kind of competing, shit talking each other a little bit. And you guys are kind of going down the line working with them. It looks like fun. It looks like, a, you know, a fun way to, to practice golf. Well, first off, you know, I'm 52 now. So that being said, you know, when I was 30, 35, 40, 45, you know, I had a lot more energy. Granted that I'm starting to work out and doing some stuff that's get, creating a lot more energy. But in the meantime, it's it's hard to keep, you know, that energy up at all times. And I'm working eight to 10 hours a day. So if I can have Leo in the sun, which is one of my kids from Italy that's helping me out. Great kid. He's like 20 years old. And then Johnny, who's been on tour who's starting to teach and, and, and getting a really good book, you know, I'm helping them start to teach, but they're also helping me. And to be honest, those guys are doing more of the work. I'm doing more of the directing, explaining. And I said, Hey, let's do this and this. And, and they put the hands on and it's so much better than someone saying, Hey, let me tell you what to do. And I get a lot of shit for people putting hands on only when it's a girl, but we do it to everyone. So the, the funny thing, it makes me laugh that if, if a coach would put me in a position and say, hey, get to this position, and I'm like this. And you're like, no, get to this position, and like this. Well, Johnny just puts you right there, and you don't have a choice but to get there. So what's going to save them more time and create you know, a better learning you know, environment? I would say there is nothing better than putting somebody into positions and making them feel it and then see it in the mirror, see it on video. And I think that there is no, no way you can't learn in a better, better place than that. You just, the motions you just made with your positions are exactly where I want to be and exactly where I am. I got the flailing right elbow. And I was like, I, but you're exactly like, I, I, again, I'm going back and watching these videos and I'm like, 
I want to feel where the club is supposed to be. And I don't know how to do that on my own. I don't know how to get it there. And it seems like your guys' style of, of doing that is different. I always, first of all, when I'm watching them, I'm like, dude, how do they not get hit in the head with a club? It looks like you're about to get hit with a club. Um, it, it does. It does look like you're going to get hit. No one's ever been hit in the head. No one's ever been hit by a club. Johnny got hit by this kid, Jax, uh, who just won um, the six-year-old junior world in South Carolina or North Carolina. So the, the biggest tournament there is for juniors. And Johnny's coming up from behind the six-year-old. He's five at the time. And going to do something to his arms in the back and got nailed in the head. That's the only time and blood just comes gushing down. And that, that was the only time really anybody's been hit. I mean, I, I've held somebody's head and someone swung and broke a club over me, but not the club head, which would have hurt, broke the shaft and the club just wouldn't half. You know, but besides that, I've never been hit. I've been hit by balls from side view of people that just are not very good hitting me, but never really by anybody I'm working with. So that's that we're I'm lucky. But how does that how does that work in your mind in terms of putting putting people in the like physically putting them in the position they need to be? Uh, you know, I I find when I'm trying to get a club in a better position, my mind like I have so much um, what muscle memory or whatever you want to call it that. I can't, I've struggled to retrain my brain to shallow the club out or do anything to change my path to sequence it properly. Kind of, can you talk to me about your philosophy on how you, um, the growth you see from people in, in, you know, the drills you will do with them physically molding them into them and how that translates into a better golf well, swing. I'll just stand up and I'm going to show you something right now. Which, <laughs> like if I said, Hey, listen, we have retraction, just pulling the shoulders back. You're already in protraction and address. If I said don't retract the shoulder and turn as much as you can, that's as much as I can turn right there unless I retract that shoulder. So a lot of people don't know how to retract the shoulder. So they're trying to get up in this position and it looks like this. Okay. So when they come down, it's going to be a little steeper. So they're going to do something to get it inside that's not going to be optimal for contact or face control. So the fact is, as soon as I get a player to learn to pivot properly, all of a sudden I'll adjust their arms and their club face to a position just putting it up to this position is going to make you narrow because the more this shoulder socket goes, the wider the arm's going to be, the less it is, the more it's going to narrow. And now you look like you're bunched up. So if we don't turn back properly and have the correct tilts in the pelvis and in the left bend and the shoulders, we can't create any action in the downswing. We can't create enough depth to get over to a certain position. So I could say, hey, I want everybody to get here. That's internal, external. And then I want them to go over here and forearm roll and have some extension, which is just like holding the tray and forearm roll a little bit. And oh, that's ideal, right? But now all of a sudden you look over here and a person only turns to here. What do you think they're gonna do with their right arm? They're gonna go like this, make sense? So until they can learn to get this under and back, they're not gonna reach that arm. So they're either gonna come back internal or they're just gonna have a really short swing. So when I have somebody like Johnny behind or Leo behind pulling them back to this position, grabbing them into position, working their legs properly, we can formulate into a position to where now all they have to do is learn to pivot in the downswing, shaft shallows by itself. So as soon as we realize that we're, we're missing things in the pivot and we see what the shaft should look like, you can't do it unless you, you work your body in the backswing. And everybody can turn. I, I know that that a lot of people are like, hey, you're limited in this and you're limited in that. And I've never found even a 100-year-old, 70-year-old, 80-year-old who is limited in motion. Yeah, they're tight, but none of them turn properly. Like you can't see any of this winding up. You can't see the tibia, fibula, the leg 
uh, of the lower part even turning. It's like they're just stuck in a position or they're so out of position that they can't turn because they're bent over too much. And if they did turn, they're falling over. So there's just so many reasons why people can't get into these positions. And they're like, oh, I'm limited or I just, I'm too old. I'm a lot of bullshit. I'm 52. I can still do it all. I mean, I'm not saying it feels always comfortable, but emotion, it doesn't hurt. But if you sit there and hold some positions, yeah, you're going to be tight. But that's part of, that's part of being a good golfer. I think I'm going to watch what you just did about 35 times. I don't know if you were watching our videos before you came on, because you just described all my problems in about three minutes span there. But it seems common. Uh, It's super common that people are, you know, I just, I'm limited in range of motion and, and, and we feed into it not to to hurt physical therapists because I love physical therapists. I love people like Tyler's performance. I love all those guys. They think they're doing a terrific job getting people strength, flexibility, and movement patterns. You know, the biomechanics of it and all the rest is 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 very, very cool over there. But to say someone's limited in their range of motion is an excuse because you don't know how to move their body right. It's, it's, I'm not a biomechanics specialist, but I, I, I promise you, I'm a, a specialist in movement uh, of getting somebody to get in a position as good as anybody in the world. And that's just the truth. But biomechanics is the study of motion and body. It's not something that I went to school for, but I'll tell you what, I can see what I want to put somebody. It's like, it's almost like a picture I see in my head that I want to put somebody here. And then I've got Johnny and Leo to help me do that. And if I, if I did it by myself, I couldn't do it. So that's why when people go, why do you use these people? And I'm like, because it makes my job a lot easier and I get a lot more done in a fast time. You've touched on it some there. And I think I, you know, I, I go up through ebbs and flows of understanding what it means to shallow the club out, but it seems to be so important in so much of what you teach. Right. And I know your teaching style varies on who your, who your subjects are and whatnot, but can you explain why that's such a point of emphasis and, 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 for people like me that maybe understand it a little bit, but don't understand it sometimes what, you know, being not shallowing it out, what it can lead to and what the sequences possibly can be uh, to leading to a consistent shallowing out of the club. I mean, it's a great question. Cause you look at Phil Mickelson has been pretty steep. You've looked at tigers, not really, really shallow, but you're talking about two of the best golfers in my opinion of all time. Okay. So the fact is, is tiger, he, he would be the first to admit he's ha- he's not the greatest driver of all time and nor was Phil Mickelson. So there's certain things to shallowing it out. And you look at the best ball strikers compared to the best players are not always the best ball strikers. Right now you got Scheffler, who is one of the best players, if not the best player right now, is a great ball striker. Okay. His stats show it. The fact is, is most number ones are not the best ball strikers. So we always look at who is the best player to say these are the best mechanics. You know, you look at Lucas Glover and you watch him shallow it out and you go, fuck. This guy's been on tour with the best ball stats, but a lot of people don't know who he is. But if you watch him hit it, you'll recognize is best ball striking just consistency? Are you adding speed to that? Or are you adding ball patterns to that? Or is it just pure proximity to the hole? So there's a lot that goes along with it. I mean, I could see somebody ticking a ball compared to really thumping the ball. And most of the time you'd rather thump the ball, but the guy who ticks the ball is actually proximity is better and their ball patterns are better and they have better stats. So what's really important. So when I see somebody shallow it out, I just see them consistent day in and day out. So when we talk about shallowing it out, a lot of people just think it's with, you know, external rotation, form rotation, and just doing this action. To me, when, when I see a player who's actually got enough depth, that means this butt end is 
towards my right heel rather than up towards my head. Now, just because I'm up here doesn't mean I can't shallow it. I could stand up and shallow it. I could tilt and shallow it. I could use a lot of form rotation and shallow it. But if I have enough depth, meaning my left arm is on my shoulder line, okay, and I get in a good position with the face not wide open, what am I going to do if it's wide? I'm going to start coming back over the top. So if my face is in a good position, a lot of times my trail arm is in my shoulder is going to work in a position that will naturally shallow it. So if I have enough turn and my arms don't rise, I'm naturally going to be able to shallow it. I'm not going to have to work in the downswing. So when I see somebody who recenters a lot, like they're over here and they have to recenter this way, a lot of times there's going to be no kickback in that shaft. So that shaft's not going to lay back. So as soon as I see somebody recenter by getting into extension of the spine and having this extend the trail leg to recenter, you can just turn on that rather than having to be 90% over here and start shifting back. That's not allowing the shaft to start kicking back this way. So when I see somebody shaft at a right angle to the back line or a hair steeper than that, not like this, there's no reaction to the shaft being steep. Okay, They're not just going to go, I'm just going to go across it and hit cuts pulls or slices depending on where the face is from here all you have to do is pivot and assuming your face is at somewhere squared your back line and you don't have to do something for the last second to square it up it just becomes a lot more consistent and i look at some of the players i teach on my mat and i have tour players come over and go dude what is that guy's handicap that guy's fucking good and i'm like bro he's never broke 80 and he goes what the fuck i'm like i've never been on the golf course when he's been playing for like six months the guy flushes because you can swing it and hit it good doesn't mean you can play either. So the fact is, is just because someone's a flush hitter. I mean, I hit, I was steep a lot of my life and I've shot low 60s many, many times. I think a lot of people who play with me would tell you that, yeah, I've played a lot of good golf and a lot of shitty golf being steep, but that doesn't mean you can't play and can't score steep. So that's the debate. If you look at Phil Mickelson, who I really like, I would never talk shit about Phil. I would say when he's steep, that's a guy who shoots really low numbers and wins, or he's out of the golf tournament. There is no in-between with him. I don't see him as a 30 guy, you know, taking 30th, 20th. I don't see that. I see him top 10 or fucking not making a cut. And that to me, because of timing is, is a big deal, but that doesn't any knock on him because when he goes, he goes and he's one of the best of all time, in my opinion. But when he's off, he's off just like a lot of people are, but there's a lot of guys who like John Rahm, who doesn't have a lot of timing in his golf swing. And, and you look at him, he makes cuts all the time. The guys who are making cuts are shallow, day in, day out. Hmm. Simple as that. A quick break here to check in with our friends at DraftKings. I cannot believe it has been over seven months without an NFL game that is over. The NFL is here. DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, is giving you a can't-miss offer for week one. This week, new customers can get $200 in bonus bets instantly when you bet just 5 bucks on any NFL game. DraftKings is hooking everyone up with game day greatness. All customers can take advantage of two new offers every single game day this September. Check the app to see what you get. Download now. Use code NLU to sign up. New customers can take home $200 in bonus bets instantly just for betting 5 bucks. That's code NLU. Only DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text hope Y. 
in Connecticut. Help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort, Kansas. Uh, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. See dkng.co slash football for eligibility terms and responsible gaming resources. Bonus bets expire seven days after issuance. Eligibility and deposit restrictions apply. Without any further delay, back to George Gankus. How do you send your players on their way, right? I, I can leave a, a golf lesson feeling great. I can take note of all the all of the things I need to be working on. Yet, you know, I, I struggle with the balance of, all right, now when things go wrong again, do I need to check in with my coach or do I figure this out on my own? Am I over, overly reliant on my coach? Is he just going to tell me the same things? How do you send your guys on their way to practice and, and, and implement things and not be overly reliant on you every time they go out and shoot a bad round? I think when a coach doesn't tell you a lot, it's because they want your your mind to be clear and they want you to play better. But I explain everything in detail, whether that's too much for a player or not, an, or, or or just overbearing in in information. I don't care because I want them. I believe that they're only going to come to me one time, and I'm never going to see them again. So if I have that belief. And the thing that I always tell players like, well, when should I get in? I don't give a shit when you come in. I'm booked for a year. I don't need you. I want you to play good. And I want you, I want to give you everything you need. So if you want to come back next week and you can get in, I'm all for it. And I'll help you to death. But I want you to understand this information. So when you go look in the mirror, you go look on video, you know, you're doing it right. And here's the checkpoints. These are the things that you need to look. And if it's going bad, this is why. Is it your face? Is it you're not recentering? Are you not getting depth? Are you not finishing your turn? What's really going on? I want them to be their own coach. And if they can be their own coach, they don't need me. And that to me has always been someone who cares and someone who is a real, real good coach for them, not somebody that's going to rely on them. Because a lot of coaches, in my opinion, want you to rely on them because they need somebody to come back to. So that is not me. And I'm not knocking somebody that needs to keep business going because that's part of a plan. And that's a, it's a good plan. I, I think the player should see people very often. But the fact is, is, is not giving information out and not letting them actually, you know, think on their own is a different story. So for you to answer your question thoroughly, I would say you personally, if you leave a lesson, you should if something's going wrong, there should be some detailed plans to what to do next. It, it, am I getting steep? What do I do if I get steep? These are your checkpoints, okay? If I'm actually starting to hook it, what, these are my checkpoints. You're not rotating through it. Why can't I rotate through it? Because you're moving your upper body off too much and you're not recentering. So now you can't rotate. Your face is getting open. You got to check this. So things like that are things that I I'm very thorough on and make sure that they understand. And I also, like I said, I give them the, my number for like, call me two, two weeks out. You've got free range to send me videos. And they do. People send me videos and do. That's the coolest. You didn't have to do that. But the fact is, is that if, if I can 20 seconds fucking see something on video, send them back a voice memo and it gets them on their way. Fuck. It's, it's no brainer. Mm -hmm. What's the difference then? in the guys you're teaching on the mats at, at Westlake versus maintaining guys uh, that are playing competing for major championships like you have and guys that are out on tour. What's uh, what's, what, what do you see as the difference in, in kind of sending those guys on their way and, and the feedback loop process? I think tour players are so easy to work with that. It's not, it's, it's becoming a better coach when you're on tour than a mechanic because they they don't need mechanics unless it's off season if you try and mess with them on a monday or tuesday 
they're not going to have a good week most likely unless they find a feel that they they really can go with and and play and that happens but the fact is 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 off-season work is for mechanical stuff okay and i think that players on tour are so easy to move and change patterns really fast but are they going to do it and trust it on the course that's a whole different story depends on their mindset and i think that people on the mat a lot of times you know they're like i have a club championship i'm very like fragile to that let's just get your ball patterns let's get your distance control let's be a coach right now when they're like i don't have a tournament for two months i'm like all right well these are a couple things that i think we should work on and we go hard hard on it and they have time to work on something but it's always a timing thing for me depending on whether when they're a little junior i don't care what they say i just move them into positions i get them hitting it good I don't even care what their parents are saying. I just, I just go to work and, and they start hitting it good and then they trust. Simple as that. But if I start doing one little thing on a junior, I'll do like five things in a lesson. I don't even care. And next thing you know, they're wrapping it in 30 minutes. And it's that, that's fun for me. Juniors are fun because they're sponges and they get things quick. And, and you know, a lot of people are like, oh, you don't have to tell a junior anything. I'll tell them everything. And then I'll actually get them to do it. And that's the fun part for me. What is, uh, I'm curious what your kind of role has been in the past several years with Matt Wolf. A lot of people associate you with Matt Wolf and, 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 you know, kind of his rise. And that's, you, you two are, I think, forever probably linked together. And it was been, you know, an eventful start to his pro career. He wins on the PGA Tour as a 19 or 20 year old. I forget what it was. Finishes runner up at the U.S. Open. Has some ups and downs in his personal life and ends up, you know, going to live. That's been a, a little bit dramatic on the on the team smash front in, in, in recent weeks and months. But how how is your... Um, role with him has it evolved in terms of how you're kind of coaching him from a personal standpoint to to golf swing like kind of what's your what's your kind of relationship update uh with matt wolf first off matt wolf i've been teaching him since he was 13 and he's like a kid to me i I love the you know i i think that everything was very easy for him from 13 all the way up through college to first two years on tour got to number 11 in the world and then for some reason he just really, for some reason, I don't know if it was that he didn't like the actual attention or the fame or whatever it was, or he just didn't want to play. And that led to, you know, a couple things like I'm not hitting it good or you're like your swings changed. We never changed anything in his golf swing. There was no changes we were making. He started to do a couple things, and, and he'd be the first to admit that where he wanted to get a little bit flatter than he'd always been up top. And he did that on his own, and it kind of bit him, and, and he knows that. And right now, I think he's swinging it probably the best. I've seen him swing it. He took third three weeks ago on the live. That was after you know the thing with, with Brooks. And I just think there was times where he just didn't want to play golf. I, I do, but I don't think the talent's ever been gone and, or he doesn't have the skill because if you're playing with him and he wants to play, he's going to shoot fucking low. If he doesn't want to play, he's going to shoot 72 to 74. It, it's just, or even higher if he doesn't want to play. So I, and I, I have no control of that. I really don't. And, and, if I could take some blame, I'll take any blame that people in the public want to give me. I don't mind that, but I really didn't change anything in his golf swing that would be out of 
it's just been look at what you did when you're hitting it good let's get you back there he lost a little of his flexion coming down he got a little narrower there's just little tiny things he started to actually his pivot changed a tiny bit but right now we work for the first time since he started the season when he was on phil mickelson's team where he's playing really good first time in like seven months we worked four weeks ago and and he hit it really good and it's another thing he lives in florida i live in california it's a pain in the ass for him to come out here. It's a pain in the butt with me having a kid that's, you know, I've just having six months. But I love Wolf and, you know, whether his his game or his attitude's got, you know, a little bit where he doesn't like it, you know, I, I he, he'll be the first to admit when he's wrong. He's not a guy that's going to blame it on anybody else. So when Brooks things happen, you know, they could have done that privately. Uh, I personally don't have anything against Brooks. Brooks has always been cool to me. I've never had an issue with Brooks one time. So there's there, there was never an issue with that. And, and Brooks and Wolf liked each other. And I think that there was just some, some incidents where, you know, Wolf possibly wasn't playing as hard as he could. And, and he called them out on it. And you know what? In my opinion, as much as anybody doesn't want to hear it, I don't think it should have done publicly, but I think it did Wolf good. I think it did. I think it woke him up in a position where I like to shake people up sometimes when I do that. But Wolf's a, a player that, you know, has enough money that if if he doesn't want to hear it from you, you're not going to hear it from him. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, 100%. That's it. It's an interesting. You know, it's an interesting thing as a coach because I want to be there for him. And I know that he's going to be on top of the golf world again. He's 24 years old. So people think he's like 30. He He's still a kid to me. He's still a kid. But the fact is, is the talent is there. I don't think that he could ever lose his game completely. You know, even in in his spotty parts, he took a top, top 10, like, I don't know, probably five times. You know what I mean? So the, when he wants to play, he can play. And I think that, that, He's figuring it out right now. He's he's a much better person than he was two years ago. And fuck, if you if you talk to him in person, there's no way you can't love the kid. He's he's great. Well, and it just it, it's you know, he was a really young kid when he came out and got hit with like, you know, the COVID thing hit him for somebody that's like a really social and outgoing person, you know, to be isolated so much and kind of learn the really hard way how lonely tour golf can be was just it. I guess the longer I do this, the more I'm amazed at how well these guys roll out of college and into the professional lifestyle of sponsorship obligations and Wednesday pro-am. You got to be on for that. Your Tuesday practice flying Monday, maybe, or did you get it? It's, it's a lot. And if you're not like fully prepared to handle it, it might expose you. You throw in a wrinkle like COVID, which just seemed to kind of affect him a little bit more than it affected other guys. It's uh it was just it, that's why I was curious if if your role as his golf coach extended past like you know into handling stuff that's off the course and things like that. And I I think that when somebody wants to handle, I think everybody has a time when they're ready for it. You know, you could give anybody. He he has such a good corner around him. He has so many so many good people that can give him good advice around him. He has such a good team that you know it's just when he's ready to do it, and he's been ready for the last like. I don't know, last year to actually make changes. And he is, his attitudes got better on the golf course. He's never, he's never a dick. He's, he's a sweetheart. He really is. He's just a dick to himself when he plays bad. He's, he's mean to himself. He beats himself up, but 
he's not mean to anybody else. He doesn't disrespect anybody else. And I think that that's something that people don't understand. He just is like, God, I suck this and that. But the fact is, is, is overall as a human, the dudes, I mean, it's not just cause I'm a coach. I would love the kid if, if I didn't, if I saw things on TV, maybe I'd have an opinion that I didn't like, but if you met him, you'd be like, bro, let's go, dude, come on. You know what I mean? You'd be like, you can handle this. You're fine. And he is fine. And he, and he realizes that, that shit's going to, it's turning around right now for him. So he'll, he'll, he's, he's got a lot of good years ahead of him and he has the most amazing caddy ever, Nick, who is, is great for him and knows him well enough to when he needs to chill out, he can, when he can talk to him, he can, he's, you know, and, and he might get some blame. Like I get some blame, but it's, it's has nothing to do with Nick. He's, he's, the fuck he's the greatest i love nick like he really is awesome for matt wolf i always think back to when i think of how young wolfie is is when we played all when we played at medalist i think that was december 2019 we went in the locker room afterward and had a drink and he didn't have one he's like yeah yeah i'm not 21 i was like oh yeah that's right <laughs> i forgot about that <laughs> It, uh, it's, you know, we got to see a little bit of that, you know, that the fun, like match play and really engaging, uh, stuff from him that day. Um, and I, I think back on that one a lot, but I think you're the first person. I mean, everybody asked me and I publicly don't want to, you know, throw out dirty laundry or, or, or what's going on. So, you know, I got to watch what I say as much as I can, but that's my honesty right there, you know, without like telling too much. But the fact is, is that he's getting his shit together and he'll be the first to to admit it. He's admitted it publicly, but I've had a lot of chances to talk on his behalf. And it's really not my area to talk about somebody else's stuff that's going on. And to me, I think that he's figuring it out and he's, he's getting where he wants to be mentally and physically. So it's it's a good thing. And it, it, it's, I think when he, when he joined live, I think I was, you know, one of the first things I said was that might make perfect sense for someone like him. I, I don't think he was in love with the week to week grind of the PGA tour, 14 events, whatever it ends up being may end up being a good thing. A team come right. I mean, the team situation has not worked out great for him uh, as we can see, but good on Phil's team, I think that, that he was good on Phil's team. He had a chance to be on DJ's team and and to me, I love DJ too. DJ's always been cool to me because I'm friends, obviously, with the Gretzkys and Tristan, and obviously Pauline is, you know, with Dustin. And, and that being said, DJ's always been awesome to me. So when we met with DJ and we we're talking about being on that team, I thought that would have been a really good kind of mix because, you know, DJ's with some players that you know, have character and have things that people either love the players on the team or they don't like the players, but DJ's a loyal person to his teammates. And not that, not that Brooks is not Brooks just, just has a different way of, of he's more like a, a coach, get your fucking shit together and let's go. And I don't, I personally, I was trained that way in almost every sport I played it. There, there was no like time to be soft at all. And if, if someone's calling you out, you have to get your shit together. And so DJ's not that that way, in my opinion, at all. Maybe he is in his own personal life, but as a teammate, he's, he seems chill. Maybe he's not that I don't know, but from what I've seen, he's just a guy that's going to be like, all right, what do we need to do to get you better? What do we need to do to make you feel more comfortable? And so that could have been a good, good match for him. And Mickelson was good to him too. 
And I think that him and Brooks had a good relationship up till, you know, three, four weeks before that. And, you know, I'm not going to get into any personal stuff that happened over there, but I think it'll all work out for the better. I'm always curious with this with coaches, your guys that you, when you see them on TV from whatever those angles are from, you know, it could be on T box, I, you know, from the fairways and stuff like that. Can you tell when things are going great, what's going wrong, what's going great? Can you, you know, sitting on the couch, is that a good enough angle to be able to understand why the ball's going certain directions with some of your guys? You know, but when I see them on TV, some of my players, I know that they're playing well because they're on yeah. TV. <laughs> but right off the bat, I already can tell if someone's playing good. But I can also tell a week before if it's going to be a good week or not just by, you know, their attitude, their mental. And sometimes, you know, I'll be wrong and they'll be playing like shit. And they're like, dude, I found something on like fucking Wednesday. And then I'm like, sure you did, buddy. Next thing you know, they're playing well. And I'm like, okay, sick. Or you know, I'll tell them something that I see in the video and they're like, dude, that feels better. And all of a sudden they'll be playing better. So it, it, sometimes it's really quick. Sometimes you, you can tell, or sometimes it's the opposite. Someone's hitting it really, really well. And then they don't play well and they'll call me and dude, I didn't hit it that bad. Or they'll be like, dude, I don't know what happened. I just lost it. So golf is so fickle and that's why it's hard that you can have it you know, as me, a coach, it's really weird. And it's not like about me, but I'm just gonna tell you how hard golf is. You know, I'll go and shoot a really good number. And the very next week I play once a week, you know, I go out on a Monday or I'm gonna play today this afternoon. And last week I played really good. I was six under and this week I could shoot 76, you know, it could, it could change that. And it does, it's, it's, you know, I'll shoot, sometimes it'll be like 72, 72, 72. And then sometimes it'll be like 65 the next week, 75. And you're like, it, it just, and a lot of times the feels are so different from week to week. And if you're not hitting balls and you're really not working on it, or you don't have a blueprint of what you want to work on, for me, it's an extreme because I feel like I don't change shit. And the next week I get on the range and I'm like, bro, everything feels completely different. I'll look on video, I'll get some of the feels and the looks back and I'll start to feel a little better, but then I got to go play right away. It's just week in, week in, it, it, week in it's, it's different. So for a player that, that struggles and you see them playing really well for like two, that's why you see a lot of players get their card in two weeks. You know, they're, they, they hold their card in two, three weeks of the year because we don't stay hot all the time. And it could just be you're hitting it the same and your putting's not good or you're not you're not chipping or pitching it very well. Certain things or you'll hit one random shot that's not like you and it'll cost you a triple or a double and it throws you out of your game. So things like that in golf change confidence a lot. So, yeah, to answer your original question of, of you know, when I see a player on TV or how do I know I can see the angles? Yes, I'll, I'll slow mo it and. And I'll be like, all right, this looks a little different. Or a lot of times when I look at it, alignment looks different on TV. But a lot of times the alignment depends on where the guy's holding the camera. And if, the, if one of my players is hitting a big draw because the pin's in a certain position or a big cut, those are things that you'll see. In the, in the Schwab video that I referenced earlier, it sounded like you wanted you were – potentially either trending towards or being encouraged by some of your coworkers as well to, to take on more competitive golf yourself. I believe Johnny even said he's been encouraging you to, to try out for the champions tour. What do you want to get out of, out of competitive golf yourself and, and kind of what are your plans there and what's, what, what have you been doing? I, you know, what's funny is that when, when I first started playing, I started late and I played college golf. Um, I started when I was 19 and then I played D one golf. So I really was not good enough I think physically I've always been good enough, but 
mechanically and mentally I was not good enough. Okay. So the fact is, is, is it's because I never had enough tournaments under my belt and I never had somebody really train my golf swing the way I wanted. And so I think when I started catting and teaching up till I was about 30, you know, I started getting better and better up to that time. When I was like 30, I was full-time coach. I'm 52 now. So I was full-time. I was working four or five days a week. And then I'd go play two days a week when I was off because I'd take two days off or maybe sometimes three days off. And I'd play some really good golf. And I started shooting some mid-low 60 rounds. And so I started getting confidence. And I'd play one-day Pepsi Tour events or, or Golden State events. And I've won quite a few of them. So I was like, all right, I'm, I can play. The fact is, is I'm not playing in five days in a row or strings of, of, of time. So when, when people asked me, you know, when I was in my mid forties, I was like, dude, it was incredible how low I would shoot, how often I was playing like two, three. And then I started getting really busy when I was 46, about six years ago to where I, I was playing once a week. And it was good times and like some spotty times. So now where I'm playing, you know, I'm getting to play if I'm lucky twice a week, you know, I'll have a good day and I'll have a, a, a fair day or a bad day. And so Johnny's like, dude, you got to stop being a pussy and you got to, you, you, you got to play. And I want to play, but now I have a six month old kid that I, you know, I get off work and now it's like, you got to be a good dad. And, and I want to be a good dad and I want to spend time, but I also want to play golf. So there's, there's a time right now where I'm like, all right, it's not about me anymore at all. It's more about my players and it's more about my kid. It's about my family, my wife, my, my, you know, my whole family. And so to me, I think I will break and play. I just don't think that I'll try and pursue it full time, but there's a hundred percent I'm going to play. I'm, I'm going to either try and qualify or I'll, uh, you know, I'll play in some, some things that will give me the option to play well or not play well. And, and that's fine with me. I just, in my heart, I feel like I don't want to have a regret of not playing at all competitive golf, you know, on a high stage or a high level, even though I'm a coach and I shouldn't be playing because coaches aren't supposed to be good, but I just know my level of play and I can play. Mm. Man, so much of what you just said, I can, I can relate to. I, I felt like at one point I wanted to play a lot of competitive golf and then it just became harder and harder. To, all right, well, I'm going to miss work from this. I'm going to miss time at home for this. I got to travel for it and I got to practice for it. Like it's really hard to do both things. Right. And it's, um, you know. and, and too. I mean, if you want to play good golf, you know, those champions tour players are no, Oh joke, my God. You know? There's, so There's some, that are, some that are like writing off that are 58 to like 64 or whatever. And they don't care as much. And I'm not talking about Bernhard Langer. He's still a badass for life, you know, it, but I'm talking about some of them that are probably more family oriented, and yeah, they're not playing their golf because they're not putting in the time probably that they know they need to. But at this time when I'm 52, there's not anybody that'll be longer than me on that Champions Tour. I can promise you that. I mean, not even Podrick. Me and Podrick, me and Podrick hit it. I love Podrick. And he'd probably laugh and go fuck off. <laughs> but the fact is, is I can swing it. I can, I can get my ball speed up to 190 like he can. I love golf, whether it's teaching or playing. And I feel like I would give myself, it'd be a disservice to myself if I didn't at least, you know, play some events. You, you mentioned ball speed there. And I think a lot of people, I admit five years ago, I would have thought you were a ball speed coach, right? I think that, that can be a, uh, a, a unfair kind of label, I guess on you, but how do you, you know, 
a lot of discussion on technology and golf and analytics and, and things like that. And it, it seems like you are at least a leader in the industry in terms of saying, here's what we need to do to gain speed. And here is the advantage you're going to get by it. Do you have like a general philosophy of trying to teach speed to people and what the benefits of that are? And, and I'm, I'm curious your reaction to any of that. I think that here's the deal. I think that people should control their irons. Um, and I think that if you do build speed with the driver, it's not a reckless speed. It's, it's doing certain things with your body that are going to create speed, not swinging harder, not swinging speed sticks. And I have nothing against speed sticks because they work. I'm just saying you're not trying to swing it harder with your arms. You're trying to use your body in the proper positions and use the ground in proper ways that are just naturally going to create it. And we've had a model forever. Jamie Sadlowski is a model for speed. Whether you like his wrist angles or not, you don't have to have them there. You can have them here. But you look at his body and the way his body works is, is so simple to understand for me and copy that I could be, I just give somebody a tip and go, hey, listen, all I want you to do is get your hands above your head. But you can't do it unless the shoulders back behind this ear so you can see it here. I don't want to see it behind your ear and your hands up here or above your head because now you're just going to look like this okay so if we can get our hands above our head we can get our chest if i face this right now if i got my chest up more you can see the lower lumbar here and the spine extend and you can watch this hip not do this but you can watch it load down just alone those three tips alone should get you more speed now we've got rocking to it we've got extending up we've got taking some of the left bend out and then moving back into it there's so many things that are going to create speed but jamie sedlowski was the originator of it i don't care if someone back then was longer than him and they were all juiced up and big he was not and he smashed it and no taking away with somebody did juice and fucking was smashing i don't care about that either i'm just saying for somebody who's 165 pounds that was swinging at 150 miles per hour is insane Okay. And so we have his model of how much he moved up there. And if you just copy his backswing alone, which anyone can do, if they know how to move their body, you're going to pick up speed. And then there's other things that I do with heavy and light clubs and how many reps I do and how freezers get you to these positions and how to start the downswing. And to me, I'll pick somebody up like for Padraig, people alone when, when we first started, I got him to 130 something right off the bat. Okay. So the fact is he was already speed training and doing some other stuff. But when people ask about speed and he's got all the speed from whoever he did it from, he got speed from me from the start. And it was, it was fun. And I'll tell you what, all, all my players, if they go, Hey, I want to get speed. I'm all, what do you need speed for? Well, I've got my, I've got too, too many long irons, mid irons in and I'll start We'll, we'll, we'll talk about that. And another thing is, what is distance? Distance is D-loft too. So if you can D-loft it, you can actually, compare to adding loft, you can create so much distance too. So distance isn't just speed. Distance is also, you know, ball efficiency. So those are things that really are a big deal. Yeah, I was shocked to, in three swings, pick up 18 yards of distance without increasing my ball speed just by getting my loft and my spin at a way better number than I, than I actually had. What? what That's a Yeah, it's sick. It, it's, it's, it's wild how much technology can help and all that stuff. But I'm curious, you, I've heard you talk in the past about feeling you know a bit like an outsider in the world of instruction. 
Do you still feel that way? Do you feel like you've gained respect maybe from more teachers who took a more traditional path in recent years? Is that something that, uh, that bothers you at all in any way? Or what's your view on that? No, 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 not at all. I mean, I, there's been a lot of people who've been pretty welcoming in, at, in the PGA um, of America. I think that there's been people in top hundred that have all been cool to me. I think all the teachers are pretty cool to me. I don't think, I mean, there's a group, there's, there's a few people that would disagree with my philosophy and they'll talk shit and hate and I welcome it. I don't, I don't mind that at all. That doesn't bother me. I think that I went down probably a different path than a lot of people. I didn't really have a mentor of how to do things, how to start a business. I'm not a business guy. Uh, I've become one, but it wasn't something that I was trained to do. I wasn't trained on mechanics. So when I learned my mechanics, it wasn't from a certain person. It was from golf swings and good players. And so that's a little different than me saying, oh, I learned this from you know, a, a certain coach, which I did not. That's awesome. Well, hey, man, I've really, really enjoyed this. I know you got uh, another appointment to run to. I want to get you out of there in time, but uh, we got to do this more often. That's on me. This has been way too long. Too much time has gone by. <laughs> Appreciate you asked some great questions, and um, I hope I didn't offend anybody. No, <laughs> God, you're yourself, man. That's that's what you're a breath of fresh air. I think in the golf world, it really is. It's been uh, it's been good getting to know you, and we we got to stay in better touch. I know that's that's on me as well. Anytime, anytime. you guys have always been great to me. And uh, if you need anything after this, let me know. Appreciate it, George. Take care, man. Thank you. All right. Have a great day. Thank you. Be the right club. Be the right club today. Yeah. Yeah, that's better than most. How about him? That is better than most. Better than most. Expect. 